right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Remake Rewind, where we decide if remakes or reboots should have happened. I'm Mike, as always, and with me, I've got my buddy, Alex. How are you doing, bud? <laughs> he's he's right. itchy. Not itchy. That's uh, Krusty. 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 Krusty the Clown. Itchy is like, hi, uh, itchy. <laughs> it's pretty good, man. Thanks. You love The Simpsons, though. That, that, that probably wasn't too hard for you. <laughs> it got me hard. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well... <laughs> There's no real way to segue from that to our, our topic of the week, uh, but uh, we watched uh, something that actually came out the first year of the podcast, actually before the podcast even came out, I think at a social media post for the trailer for um, the remake of this this topic, but uh, for whatever reason, we never got to it until now. We were kind of in between episodes. Uh, we obviously had Kong versus uh, Godzilla versus Kong last week, and we've got Mortal Kombat the next episode, so we kind of just need to pick something to fill in the gap and we've got a pretty big episode coming up that we're not quite ready to talk about but that's coming up pretty soon so here's this is really just a filler episode but it's fine (laughs) i I, don't think you're supposed to say that no it's totally fine it's a filler episode and i wasn't super ecstatic about this one but i actually had a really good time with with these movies instead of a filler episode let's call it a deep cut it's a deep cut filler episode (laughs) no no filler all killer no filler i i i enjoyed watching these I, I did too, man. Like, yeah. This, I, okay. The, I, yeah. the new, all right. So we're talking about the movie, the movie's Flatliners. And um, the new one, I think the old one is kind of a, a cult classic. Um, I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Also referenced in uh, Pop Star, starring Andy Samberg, when uh, Bill Hader is the roadie and uh, he does flatlining before or after gigs or whatever. Um, <laughs> And and specifically calls out uh, the director of photography on the first movie, Jan de Bont. Um, Who did Speed. Mm-hmm, sure did. And the second one kind of came and went. And I think it was like, my impression was that it was critically panned. Um, and I think it had like a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I know. Uh, it definitely was. Even the original one was uh, on Rotten Tomatoes was like 49% with an audience score of 59%. But it had it had a little bit more star power, so it was you know the height of Kiefer Sutherland. There, there are a lot of uh, notable actors in the first one and the second one actually. Yeah, they really... both have have a pretty good cast uh, in both of them. Like, so yeah, Flatliners, nineteen ninety nine, directed by Joel Schumacher. You know, Joel Schumacher, pretty prolific director. You know, I, I know unfortunately he gets m- most of his fame for the Batman movies now, but you know this movie was considered you know ahead of its time and like you mentioned it was a cult classic and people generally look back on this movie a lot more favorably than they did when it came out and like this movie was a moderate success like this is 1990 it had a budget of uh uh 26 million dollars and worldwide it made 61 million which in today's numbers that's not a lot but you know it tripled its budget and this was back before they had huge promotional budgets like this was a modest kind of hit in terms of uh, a financial uh standing so um, but yeah, I, I guess we could just get into it. I'll, I'll summarize this real quick. So the overall summary is pretty simple, and I think we can use the same summary for both movies because they are very similar in the uh, you know the skeleton yeah, uh, and the we, musculature of the movie is the same, but it's the meat and potatoes that are a little different. Uh, but it's uh, five medical students experiment with near-death experiences, and then uh, they kind of stop doing it once they start getting these unintended dark consequences that are affecting their lives because of these experiment so essentially what it is is five doctors decide that they're going to essentially kill themselves and then resuscitate themselves and see what it's like to die and if there is an afterlife and 
there's kind of like these five doctors led by Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. He plays Nelson Wright. He's kind of the ringleader. He, he, he bookends the movie with almost identical lines. He starts the movie with, today's a good day to die, and ends the movie with, today wasn't a good day to die. <laughs> and then uh, Kevin Bacon says it in some Native American language. I don't remember which which tribe, but he Is says he the same thing. supposed to be Native thing. American in this movie? Because he's like always got uh, like blankets and... And yeah, stuff, he's like a little. He's just kind of like a hippie dude. Like he repels down a building at some point when he's suspended. Like I have questions about that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kiefer Sutherland plays Nelson Wright. He's kind of the ringleader. He's the one who comes up with the idea of um, and kind of a blueprint. Like he walks people through. Okay, you're going to use this medication. Then you're going to give me a cold blanket. And then you're going to zap me. And then you're going to warm me up. And then you're going to give me adrenaline. And then you're going to CPR me. And then zap me and bring me back to life. And then I'll tell you what I saw. And he kind of like coerces a couple of different doctors to do this. And like nobody feels good about it and they kind of just go along with it. Um, throughout the, he's the first one to get revived. He eventually starts to go crazy because he's getting like bullied by uh, the ghost of a kid that he accidentally killed by throwing rocks at him while he was in a tree because he was a bully. And then he eventually goes kind of crazy and starts kind of being dark and manipulative towards his friends. And then toward the climax of the movie is he kills himself without anybody around because he feels he has to confront the kid that he killed accidentally as a child. And then you've got Kevin Bacon plays David Labraccio and he's kind of like the quote unquote voice of reason. They make a big point of saying he's an atheist and he's kind of the, I guess you would say he's the best doctor in the bunch and he's kind of the one that always comes through, you know, in the clutch. He's also kind of has a little love, um, dynamic story with, with, um, um, Julia Roberts character and then he is the third person to go under and he is haunted by a girl that he used to bully and called ugly as a kid there's a lot of bullying in this movie yeah and then you have William Bal- Baldwin Billy Baldwin Alec Alec Baldwin's younger brother he his name is Joe Hurley he's kind of a womanizer he's the second person to go under he kind of has like an erotic fantasy when he's when he's under uh, and then he also is engaged but he's also like secretly filming all the like dozens of women that he's having sex with out you know he's cheating on his fiance and filming people he's engaged consent. to uh tony stark's mom by the way yeah yeah <laughs> and he eventually like that's really all his story arc um then you have julia roberts as rachel manis it would have made more sense for her to be kind of the ringleader because at the beginning of the movie she's like interviewing patients who nearly died and getting their, their stories of like hearing family members and seeing bright tunnels of lights and everything. And she goes under fourth and she sees her dad committing suicide and is haunted by her dad's suicide. She's sort and of the Hermione the, Granger of the group. Yeah. So, yeah, she's kind of the Hermione Granger. She's trying to convince everyone what to do. And she's also everyone kind of has a crush on her and kind of sexualizes her at some point in the movie. But and she's also got red hair. It's like yeah. Uh, and then you have Oliver Platt, who plays Randy Steckel, who I he's basically the Neville Longbottom of the group. He doesn't do anything <laughs> in this movie. Like all he does is just like, I don't know, guys, we're going to get in trouble. We're he's in like, med school. We're going to get in trouble. Well, he's like the voice of reason. He like never goes under and he's there to sort of uh, keep an eye on things. But like, um, but no never, real agency. never goes with it himself. Like, I wouldn't say he does. Like, if you removed him from the plot, it doesn't change. Yeah, but I think they needed somebody in the group that is like, "Hey, this is maybe not a great idea, guys." Like, like even if they don't, Bacon even if they don't, too. even if they don't listen to him, he's there to like temper. Yeah, um, but I mean, I would say that was Kevin Bacon as well because. But he Kiefer did Southern, 
Keith or Keith or Sutherland was like the only one who really listened to anybody. And Kevin Bacon's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And he kind of just showed up to make sure that nobody was going to die because he was the yeah, best but doctor. But he did it to protect Julia Roberts because he wanted to do it as the control because he was an atheist. He's like, well, you guys all believe in an afterlife. If I go and I don't see anything, then we know it's nothing. It's I'm the control group. And he was really doing it just to try to delay Julia Roberts' character from doing it. I don't think he ever really wanted to do it. Because he's in so, love with her. Yeah. But there's a... It, it's an interesting movie. Like, essentially what it boils down to is each person who goes under is haunted by something. And the the issue I have with the movie, and and this I think is probably a common criticism from anybody who's watched it, is that uh, I don't think it goes far enough with these themes. Like, they're all haunted by stuff, but they, they kind of go out of their way to kind of like dismiss it as, you know, maybe there was... Uh, it's a chemical reaction in the brain as you're revived or as you're dying. Like maybe you saw the stuff before you died or as you were being revived, or maybe it's leftover electrical current or whatever. Like they try to scientifically explain it, which makes sense that they're doctors. But it, so it's kind of left in this like middle ground where it's not really fulfilling. Like, is it a, is there a supernatural component to this? Is there not like, what is it? Yeah. I feel like it kind of starts out with this, like, um, elevated idea and then halfway through like becomes more like uh more like you know b horror movie and it's yeah, just fun and i kind of wish it's it fun it's kind of fun a little bit more into being a uh a b movie well it, just being more of a horror movie and like mm-hmm. leaning into that like it seemed like it, it dipped its toe in there but it didn't really want to commit to being that like every time something bad would happen they would well, try the, to convince themselves that it was a scientific thing, which makes sense because they're doctors, but they never like they never explain it in a scientific way. And then they never fully say, nope, this is definitely a supernatural element. Like it's very it's very muddy. Like the movie doesn't commit to anything. Yeah, I think it would have been better off committing one way or the other. I think the the like stock horror stuff that I'm thinking about where is like they're all being attacked by the ghosts of their past sins or whatever feels like. Um, it's letting letting me down on the promise of the movie. Right, I think it's more interesting to like follow what's going on in the beginning of it. It feels like a it feels like a um, like a cop out to be like, oh well, it's just like your conscience like telling you that you need to um, forgive yourself or right. you know, ask for forgiveness. The, from and these the people. other thing it doesn't make sense is like, so Julia Roberts' character is obsessed with the idea of death because she's very concerned about her father. It's like she's haunted by the death of her veteran father and who killed himself in front of her right and so she's at the beginning of the movie she's interviewing multiple patients being like hey you almost died like what happened and she gets all these like positive things so it's like well how come these people who legitimately had near-death experiences only have positive things to say but these people who went through this experiment have these seriously negative repercussions and like some of it's it's also like toes this line because like Kiefer sutherland's character is beaten by a child like he he's beaten by the ghost of the kid that he killed when he was a bully and like he starts getting scars on his face there's a scene where he's like stitching himself up and it's like was this like a fight club kind of thing where he did it to himself or well, yeah did they or said, was they there said a supernatural? that's what it was right but they, well, do, they, they do say that's what it is do they say that did they explicitly yeah, say that yeah there's a scene where he's like beating the shit out of himself oh okay because like there's a point where he's like you see the kid is like holding onto a crowbar and he's also holding the crowbar and the kid's like leaning down and then Kevin Bacon 
goes around the window and looks into the truck and you just see Keith Sutherland with the crowbar like pushing up as hard as he can. So I still feel like it's very non-committal on what it actually is. Yeah, I agree with that. So I was, like, well, I was, it wasn't both, clear to both, me. Both of these movies kind of do that. And while I was watching it, um, I was thinking it might be more interesting, at least for the remake, to uh, show the characters doing it to themselves early on, but not show why they're doing it to themselves and then have the reveal be what they're seeing. And they're seeing right. know, these like ghosts, big air quotes of so, uh, the people that they wronged. And I had never, never seen either of these movies prior to this um, recording. So the, one of the things that I thought would have been interesting, and originally I was going to bring this up at the end, but I think I'll just bring it up now, was I almost think it would be really interesting if these movies, either version, took place in like the Final Destination world, like in the same universe as Final Destination, <laughs> and you had Candyman show up as like a guy in the morgue being like, hey, oh, wow. the reason this is happening is like death is an entity, and you guys killed yourselves came back and now know that there's an afterlife and so like death is pissed at you <laughs> like i think it would have been kind of interesting you know that would be a little bit of a str- obviously for the 90s version that couldn't happen but for the newer one like i think that could have been kind of interesting they built like a interconnected universe with like the final destination movies you or anything write that like, movie. It, the it would be very easy to to mesh them together you know yeah. if they really wanted to but uh yeah, that that was one of the things I thought was a little weird was that they just they didn't destination. Yeah, they just didn't they didn't commit to anything. Like they wanted it to be like a thriller, they also wanted it to be a horror film, and I don't know if it did either in a fully satisfying way. I think what this movie did do well, or at least better than the uh, the remake is um is creating like a feeling or like a tone for the whole world. Like it really felt like this like gothic fairy tale. And I think I that also lets it get, a, which is like a Joel Schumacher thing. You know, if you could say anything about the, uh, the Joel Schumacher Batmans, it's that he creates a very specific vision of Gotham. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't love it, but it's a specific thing. This one had a lot of like Gotham city kind of imagery. And so like the movie opens yeah, with like, they're, like the hospital that they work at is like a hospital run by a religious organization, like the Catholic Church, and like it opens with like gar- like this really gorgeous scenery of like gargoyles on a church in broad you know daylight and seeing all these weird shadows and the curves, and then you see Kiefer Sutherland looking really cool in his uh, trench coat and sunglasses, <laughs> and just like he's yeah, got kind of a Lost today's... Boys thing going on. Yeah, yeah, today's a good day to die. And then like, yeah, and like throughout the, the movie, you see all that stuff like, yeah, over the, and over again with Kevin Bacon. Sorry. And the med school that they're in is um, is like a museum and it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. why would there be a med school there? But there's all these like amazing like Renaissance paintings behind them and shit. And it's in this like big, like gothic uh, architecture um, building with like marble walls. And well, it's weird because it's it's not like rooms either. It's like old school like world war ii kind of hospitals that you see in those old school movies where it's like rows of beds in a hallway versus having like any kind of rooms and like they do their experiment in the basement and it's the same thing like it just looks like an empty church like you see all the pillars and the there's still gargoyles and there's points throughout the movie when kevin bacon is just like he's starting to doubt his atheism like he's almost having like a religious crisis with his atheism because he has an experience like he sees you know his old school days and he sees himself bullying and so at one point like he yells at like a painting like you mentioned there's like these oil paintings like renaissance oil paintings and he yells at it it, and he's like 
do you want me to pray to you? Is that what you want? Or something along those lines. Like he's just like talking to God directly there. And it's just like very heavy handed, but it's like, it's like a weird because it's not a hospital. Like it's like heavy handed, but it's not. There's like a whole religious uh, subtext that feels like it should be very obvious, but I'm not actually sure what the message is. I think like, I think they might want the message to be like, um, you know, some things aren't meant to be known and like, you're not supposed to cross some lines. I think that's actually the tagline. That's the tagline for the movie. Yeah. But, like, all their lives are better for having done this. They all learn how to forgive each other and other people and themselves and some bullshit. And, and, you know, and not necessarily. They, I feel like, like they, they have, like, happy endings. Except for Joe. Like, Joe loses his fiance. Well, like, he loses his fiance because he was cheating on her. Yeah. But he, well, no, but but he, makes, he, learned, but he learned how to be honest with himself. Yeah. But she goes out of her, her way to say she didn't break up with him because he was unfaithful. She, went, she broke up with him because he didn't have consent to film all those women that he filmed. Yeah, which, you know, my point stands. Like, yeah. it's his own fault. It but is. also a very woke moment for this movie. Yeah, that that surprised me. Some Good of the other Joel things Schumacher. that were weird about this movie, and I don't think that, once again, I wish they leaned into it more, was uh, kind of the Keith for Southern going crazy. So, like, initially after he comes out, he's like, oh, I can hear everything. Like, I can hear the bakery, and I can hear the bus, and I can feel all the vibrations. And Yeah, there's kind of a limitless thing going on that they abandon. Yeah, so they do that, and then as the movie goes, he starts getting darker. And like, so one of the other kind of things that goes on in this movie is they all kind of to decide who gets to go next. They kind of have like this bidding process. So like, Kiefer Sutherland was under for like a minute and a half. So when they want to go um, second, uh, Billy Baldwin's character is like, "I can go a minute and a half as well," and Julia Roberts is like, "I can go two minutes," and Billy Baldwin's like, "I can go two and a half minutes." So they do that, and they go th- through that a couple times, but eventually. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character goes and goes let's keep him under for another minute let's do it like we can go up to four minutes like he's like fucking around with them and then there's another point when uh, he goes I'm going again and Julia Roberts is like fuck that you got like I was supposed to go second and I got bumped twice like if you don't let me go I'm out and then like everybody else is like well if she's out I'm out and Kiefer Sutherland's like fuck you guys you guys are just fucking Taurus I'm the one who's doing this it's my idea and it's like but then it just undercut immediately where they're like, well, Julia Roberts isn't going to do it. So you might as well let her do it. And so they're like, fine. They let her do it. And he kind of just like, oh, OK. Like that plot line almost goes away at that point where he's yeah. like him going crazy and being manipulative. And also being like hyper intelligent. Yeah. Like it, it's there's a lot of great ideas in this movie that just kind of fall flat. So like ultimately what ends up happening, like you said, everybody kind of realizes they're guilty and they need to atone for it. So. Um, Kevin Bacon goes and finds this girl and apologizes to her and she's like yeah you're good and he immediately feels better and stops seeing her all around and it climaxes with um, Kiefer Sutherland killing himself they show up and he's already been dead for nine minutes and they're, they all give up and Kevin Bacon's like come on God let him live <laughs> and then like at that exact moment the ghost just decides to forgive Kiefer Sutherland after knocking him out of the tree and he's like falling from the tree for like two minutes and he changes from like a kid <laughs> to Kiefer key. Sutherland into like Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland in a white flowing shirt and then like Billy just kind of smiles at him and then Kiefer Sutherland wakes up and is like I guess it wasn't a good day to die <laughs> and like that's the pretty much the end of the movie and I it's an entertaining movie like it's very well acted but I just I felt like I wanted more at the end of it and that's why I think like this movie is actually a great candidate to be remade um, and I was really excited about the remake for the first like half of it. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, I thought like it had some good, and we'll get to that in a minute. I think we're just about done with this one. The only other one that was weird is they were talking about balls a lot. Like throughout the movie, it's like you don't have the balls to do it. Like there's a point where like uh, Billy Baldwin is like, "You don't know what you're doing. You, you're going to burn your career, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. You don't have the balls to do it. You're going to faint." And Nelson Wright's like, "You bring the equipment. I'll bring my balls." It's like, <laughs> what? Well, there's yeah, there's a lot of like uh, very char uh, homoerotically charged moments in this movie. I think yeah. Um, which, you know, uh, again, Joel Schumacher, it's not his first rodeo with that. No. Like, to kind of sum it up, like, what um, Kiefer Sutherland said about this movie in interviews at the time, he goes, this was The Breakfast Club Dies meets St. Elmo's Funeral. <laughs> I think that's an apt right. description. I guess. Sure. That, sound, that sounds like a real coked up answer. <laughs> so just another little trivia thing on this uh this is where Kiefer sutherland and julia roberts met they actually started dating while filming this at one point they were Aww. engaged uh but then they 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 broke up shortly after and uh val kilmer was supposed to be the uh Kiefer sutherland role of nelson but ultimately yeah. turned it down i buy that yeah uh, you know talking about like this movie not quite living up to its potential one of my notes was it feels like there's a lot cut out of this movie it feels like they're just jumping to um they're jumping over a lot of story beats. Yeah, I, I with, agree. With and each it, character. And I know yeah. they have to balance like five characters and trying to do like these big arcs for all of them. Um, but it just feels like there's a, you know, there's a Snyder cut length version of this. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, I agree. The one thing I did like about this one, um, I think a little bit better than the new one. And we'll talk about it was I feel like there were more quote unquote stakes in this one. Like. Kevin Bacon was suspended early on in the in the movie, so if he got caught, like he would definitely would have been expelled. And uh, they they spoke about the med school stuff a lot often. Like, there's a point where they realize that I can't remember if it was Julia Roberts or if it was Kiefer Sutherland. Like something was wrong, and they're like panicking. They're in class, and somebody's not there, and so they go to leave the class, and the teacher's like, "You're gonna fail," and he's like, "They're like fuck it," and then like they storm out of the class together. Like I thought that they really leaned into the educational institution part of this a little bit more in a believable way mm-hmm. that there was actual stakes. Like I don't, I don't, I feel like that was a little glossed over in the new one and, and we'll, we'll get to that one. But uh, any, anything else you want to talk about on this one? I feel like we're going to retread um, a lot of water on the new remake. Yeah. I just had a few notes that, um, that I want to get out. Uh, Billy Baldwin's the king of nagging in this movie. He was like straight <laughs> up using the dentist system. <laughs> Um, they don't really explain why he's videotaping himself with these women. I don't know that it needs a massive explanation, but when he's arguing with his uh, fiance, he's like, you don't understand. It, it, it's not what it looks like. And I was like, well, what, what else it could then? it be? Like, yeah, okay, I need an explanation then. What is it if it's not what it looks like? Like, even if he explained it as like, and it's still fucked up, like there's no excuse for what he did. But like, even if he explained it like, I'm here in med school in Chicago and she was like in a different state going to, you know, whatever her postgraduate program was like, I, I'm feeling neglected or not loved. And this makes me feel like I'm close to somebody like it's a bullshit fucking excuse, but you're right. Like, it's just like, yeah, but like, I want to know, like, like he's just an asshole. He's irredeemable. Yeah. Um, what else? I liked seeing the kid beat the shit out of Jack Bauer. That was cool. (laughs) That I, I think, I know that this isn't Joel, Joel Schumacher had like a vision for Batman um, that was not similar to this, but I think his Batmans would have been sicker if he tried to make it look more like the world of flat, Flatliners. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I, I know he wanted to, he specifically wanted to do like more campy stuff. Um, I liked seeing Kiefer being terrified of that little kid too. I thought that was a cool choice. Yeah. I think it was very well acted. Like everybody did really well with the material. And I think you're right that it does feel like there's stuff missing because it does feel but, like it's very jumpy, but like it's good. They all committed to it. Like they yeah. all, yeah, they're all young and hungry. Um, I thought it was funny when, um, excuse me. I thought it was funny when Kevin Bacon broke the window of his, uh, old Russian, uh, troop carrier after we had just seen that the back like Velcro is open. <laughs> I, I've got one oh. other. Oh, go ahead. There's a lot of whisper fighting in this movie because they, they do all of these flat lines like in the basement or, or like a secluded room of their art uh, museum fucking uh, med school. And they're like not supposed to be there. Uh, and it's all it's weird that they never have a run in with the, with the um, security. That feels kind of like a there's Chekhov's one point where situation. they almost do where they have to pull the curtain down because it's like on ground level. Yeah. But there's Weird. yeah, there's a lot of like whisper fighting that became um, kind of silly and distracting. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, the only other thing that I thought was a little weird was when I was watching the the credits. Uh, it's really just these five people doing a majority of the work, and then you know a handful of times where the characters are interacting with the person they wronged. But ninety percent of it's just the five core cast. But when you look at the credits, it lists them the five, and then each person after that, it's like. Latino orderly, Latino nurse, Latino, you know, it's just like <laughs> every that. other character is just broken down to their like racial profile, black patient, black this. It's just like, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, everybody's <laughs> just listens Latino or like Latino this, Latino that. And it's just like, you couldn't just say patient. Like there weren't yeah. that many. Just say like cancer patient or whatever. It's weird Jim. that they had to make it to race. Yeah. Yeah. Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. It doesn't matter. Like it, it was a oh. little weird, but it's 1990. I was also going to say I really like the practical effect um, when Julia Roberts is in the bathroom with her dad, like the forgive forgiveness moment, and the bathroom walls like start moving out. Oh yeah, that was pretty neat. That was, that was really like cool. visually, this was a really cool movie. I'm saying, and I was I was going to say this earlier, but a lot of the um, like story inconsistencies or um, not even inconsistencies, but like where it feels a little lacking, a lot of that I think is forgiven because it's such a uh, a cool looking movie. And yeah, it's so I agree. Like, it's got such a, a vibe, you know. I was engaged from beginning to end in this movie. There was never a point where I like I checked out or was checking my phone to see, you know, what time it was or how long it's been. Like, you know, it's I just funny. I, this movie. I was engaged for the whole movie, but I also found myself thinking of a lot of other movies that I wanted to watch. Not instead, oh, but just like it reminded me of other stuff. Where I was yeah, like, oh, I want to watch this movie now. That makes sense. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like I thought it immediately connected it to Final Destination, which I brought up earlier. So that, that's fair. Yeah. All I right, watch man. Dark City. We should do that. Uh, I've never seen it, dude. It's been on my oh, list dude. to watch for years. Yeah, we should do Dark City. And like 13th floor or something. I saw the, some the, the tweet ma- or something about that. And it's like, it's the best movie you've never seen. Yeah, and it's really good. I, I haven't seen it. So. All right, that's the next one. All right, bud. What have you been up to? Well, sir, I'm glad you asked. Um, last night I watched The Hunger Games. I'm sorry. It's pretty fun. I've seen it before, you know. I actually, I gave it a lower rating than I did the last time I saw it. Um. But I still enjoyed it for the most part. Okay. I think I think Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to do anything except like American Hustle type of roles. I mean, she she put in the work and did, you know, 
several franchises. So you know, she's a good actor. Oh. I'd say let her do what she wants to oh, do. Oh, I don't. I don't think she's a good actor at all. I think, I think she, she's okay. she's charismatic. I think she's charismatic at a couple things, but I don't think she slips into roles like a chameleon. That's fair. Um, what else? I watched Office. She Space. was Mystique. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she was terrible in that role, um, and she hated doing it. <laughs> yeah, she de- clearly did. Um, I watched Office Space. Nice. Yeah, she's amazing. I've still been rewatching Shit's Creek. We're almost done What's with the, that. The lead in Office Space's name again. Ron Livingston. He's uh, replacing uh, Billy Crudup in The Flash. Yeah, I don't know if I care about that. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's. Um, I, when I saw that news, I was trying to think of who else I would replace Billy Crudup with. It's good. It enough. feels weird. Like, I mean, I guess so. I like Billy a lot. I like. I mean, I guess I, I'm going to kind of miss him in that role, but also not really because there's nothing like to base him off of except yeah for, like, he had like two League. sentences yeah um it feels like uh kyle chandler would have been a better uh better pick kyle chandler I, would be good yeah i get him and ron livingston confused all the time i think if ron livingston was in the uh, justice league instead of um billy crudup then kyle chandler would have been a good replacement or vice versa i like kyle chandler you could put him in anything there was a point where the, um the director of he, deadpool 2 or deadpool left Deadpool 2 because he wanted Kyle Chandler as Cable, and Ryan Reynolds and Fox apparently were like, no. Uh, that's kind of dope. I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been it interesting. Feels like it, it feels like it would have been a more serious movie. Yeah. Weirdly. Um, I watched Space Jam. Nice. The, yeah. Getting ready for the new one. Nice. I does, love that movie. does not look good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that trailer was weird. I, I was really let like down, it. dude. Me yeah, too. And then, like the the Clockwork Orange guys are in the background and shit. But they took out Pepe Le Pew, which I don't have a problem with taking out Pepe Le Pew. But if you're going to take out Pepe Le Pew and put it in Clockwork Orange, guys, that's a problem. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, apparently, there's seven days where I didn't watch a movie, which doesn't feel right. I feel like I've de- I definitely watched movies during that time. So that's the uh, extent of my movie watching this, nice. this last couple of weeks. So I uh, I had a little bit of time. Uh, so I watched a lot. I went to the movie theater a couple of times. I saw Chaos Walking. Weird oh. premise. It. The actors did what they could with the with the premise. It wasn't terrible. It was a lot better I than know it looked. I nothing about that movie. It's a lot better than it looked, but it was like it's just a weird premise. Like I, it, they did what they could with it. It was as good as it possibly pitch. could have been. Uh, so essentially, it's uh, Earth colonized a planet that takes sixty eight years to get to, and so round one, um, they get there, and there's some mysterious force called the noise that only affects men, so everyone can see and hear what men are thinking. And all the women were killed by the native race. And then Daisy Ridley is part of round two, and she's the only survivor of a ship that crashed. And so she's the only woman that's ever been seen in, you know, like as long as Tom Holland's been alive, because he's supposed to be like 17 years old at that time. So for 17 years, nobody's seen a woman. And it turns out he's been lied to his whole life. So he's got to like try to protect her and hide her from people and but people can see and hear his thoughts. So he's got to be like creative with his thoughts or kind of like make his mind blank. So people don't realize he knows where Daisy Ridley is. Um, That's a long elevator ride, but it's uh yeah, it's, 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 it's whatever. Um, <laughs> I watched that. I watched nobody twice. It was oh, fucking yeah. great. Oh my God. Sick. It was so good. Like I'm, oh, I like, so I'm, I'm officially vaccinated and ready to mingle uh, as of yesterday. So nobody is going to be, I think the first thing I see nobody is it's it's like John Wick, but a little bit more realistic. 
It's, yeah. it's so good. Like that's all I'm gonna say. It's so fucking good. Uh, I watched Bloodshot, which was a lot better than it looks, <laughs> but still not very good. Um, the general premise, like once the twist is revealed, just fall, makes the whole movie fall apart. It makes no goddamn sense. Um, I watched Solar Opposites on on the Hulu's. <laughs> uh, I really yeah, that was only, okay. Like, the, just like the first season, I only actually liked the last episode and the episodes uh, that take place in the wall with the miniature people. And then uh, I watched Into the Spider-Verse, which is great. And I watched yep. a documentary on D.B. Cooper. Oh, yeah. D.B. Cooper's the man. And the finale of Shameless. That's over. We watched Shameless. Was, was Katrina in that? She was um, the, the body double for, for uh, Debbie. The, I don't remember the actress's name. but uh, And she does all the welding for that character mm. so uh but yeah we watched that and i was disappointed by the end but you know it's fine Bummer. all right that's it let's let's talk yeah. about the second one let's get into it uh well this is a remake of uh the other one obviously <clears throat> off to a good start um this one takes place this one came out in 2017 and takes place in 2017 and is sort of a remix of uh of the first movie the characters are recognizable from the the group in the first uh, film, but I think a lot of their character traits are also sort of um, switched around. Um, but five medical students experiment with near death experiences until the dark consequences of past tragedies into their lives uh, begin to jeopardize their lives. Um, this one leans a little bit more into the horror elements than the original film, and especially in like the second half of the movie. Like this one yeah, really, absolutely. like we said, the, the first one kind of does this, but the second one really like becomes a straight up. Uh, direct-to-video horror movie halfway through. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, so you've got Elliot Page, um, who opens the movie with a uh, car crash, uh, killing her sister because she was goofing around on her phone. Um, also, don't text and drive. Don't text and drive. Uh, that car crash was like very, very unique and cool. I've not seen a car crash like that on film, and I appreciated the director's choice to make it um, an interesting looking car crash. That was good. It was yeah, scary. I think that, you know, there's uh, teams of people whose jobs it is uh, to create these stunts for movies, to create car related stunts and things get popular in other movies and certain ways of doing stunts are easier to do than others. So you end up seeing a lot of the same things repeated. And like a good example of that is um, in the dark night, you have the truck, the, flip. Uh, the truck flip and then I think in every blockbuster for like the next five years, they do the exact same thing. They do yeah, the Yeah, you get a variation too. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them are as good because they're mostly not practical effects. And also we've seen it already. Yeah. So I appreciated the unique um, car crash. It felt like something you could actually see happen, which made it, you know, kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was like, yeah, it was a very like violent crash. Like the car went 10 different directions. Yeah. <laughs> and then ends up in a river. Yeah. Yeah. Gnarly. Um, so she uh, tricks her tricks or like convinces her various um, uh, med student uh, peers. I guess they're not students. They're interns, right? No, they're, st- they're, they're supposed to be students resume. still, which is weird. Like that. And that's the other thing that I liked about the original better. It was very clear that they were students. Like this one is weird because they're they seem to be practicing a little bit more and have some agency, but they're still checking in and having class with Kiefer Sutherland in this one. Kiefer Sutherland's back in this one, by the way. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so she convinces her uh, her peers to come in. She's doing the same. She's you know the Kiefer Sutherland character, and she um, convinces them to to kill her, to flatline her, so that she can see what's going on in the afterlife. 
um, and she ends up seeing uh, the bridge where her sister died, right? Yeah. And a bunch of like pretty lights and stuff and has this like uh, sense of euphoria. And then afterwards she gets like limitless, like Bradley Cooper and uh, has this incredible memory and can like play, uh, recall uh, piano parts that she learned 12 years ago perfectly. And she's like memorized all of her uh, med student books that she's read. She's coming up with answers immediately in class and shit. She learned um, her, she remembered her grandma's secret bread recipe that like she watched her grandma make once. Yeah. And she makes out with, uh, with James Norton. Yeah. Um, I, I should be said here too. If we say she, when we're referring to the character, we're talking about yeah. the character who she Courtney. plays, who yeah, is yeah. she in the movie, but obviously Elliot Page is uh, a trans man. Um, so refer to him as he outside. Yeah. If we refer to, to Elliot, we'll say he, if we refer to the character, Courtney, we'll say she. Yeah. Um, so similarly to Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland in the first movie, she ends up being haunted by this memory as her sister instead of, um, you know, one of the many children bullied in the first movie. And um, <laughs> she's like getting her, she's getting attacked. She's getting her ass kicked by this little kid and eventually is uh, thrown or pushed off or falls off a fire escape and dies halfway through the movie. Yeah. Which I thought was like a really bold choice to Me kill too. your main character halfway through. I was like, yeah. oh shit, this movie is like doing something very interesting. I agree. However, I thought it was a mistake to kill off the best actor in the movie and assign all of the uh, the emotional work that her character did in the original movie to the worst actor in the movie. Nina Dobrev? Yeah, she is just not good in this. No, no, I agree. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so some of the other things, like like you said, they, they really mirror a lot of the elements. So like you meant, mentioned James um, Dorton, who plays Jamie, and he's kind of like the Billy Baldwin character in that he, uh, his little difference is that he wants to go to LA after he's done with med school and become like a Hollywood doctor and have a show that's bigger than Dr. Oz and his same thing he kind of sees like a kind of an erotic fantasy as well where he's like driving on a motorcycle with a super hot chick and all the road like he hits every green light and there's no other cars and then he like his difference that when he comes out it's not like the limitless thing like you said like he still has the euphoria but he uh, he has shown several times pre- previously to kind of like fumble like medical care like he's not confident so he's not able to take care of patients quickly when they put uh, courtney under he's not able to revive her so the another character ends up calling the kevin bacon character which is diego luna in this one to step in and help out so like in this version um, courtney actually told two people what was going on but she tricked them into getting there first and then told them what was going on so like um, she said that they were going to like go and have coffee with one person. And then she said she was going to hook up with Jamie or implied that they were going to have sex to lure them there. And then she's like, Oh, by the way, you're going to kill me. And James <laughs> was like, or Jamie was like fairly into it. It was super weird. He's just like, okay, let's do this. Well, I think he's, you know, he, I got the feeling that he's still like a womanizer in this version. right? Yeah. You well, and that's what he's haunted but I think by is all the women he slept with. And then like, right. It's weird. And I think it's an interesting expansion on that character um, because it's not just like, oh, he's a womanizer and he videotapes women that he has sex with. And that's it. Um, it's like he's a womanizer and he's like a narcissist. He wants to be a famous. Uh, he wants to be famous. He wants to be a doctor on TV and stuff. Coerces um, someone to get an abortion. Yeah. And then also there's this interesting thing where despite all of that, he doesn't have any confidence when it comes to his job. Like he's actually not that good of a doctor. Yeah. Um, 
so I think that's a really like interesting, uh, you know, reversal of, of expectations with that character. Yeah. And it makes him more three dimensional. Yeah. And the thing that I liked about this, and we'll get to the other characters in a second, is with these first two, you get, you know, as an audience, you know, we understand that that uh, Elliot Page's character, Courtney, had that traumatic incident at the beginning. And we recognize the bridge, but Courtney just sees the beautiful lights and everything and doesn't actually see like the subconscious part of it. And same thing with like Jamie, he is just on the motorcycle and he's hearing it, but we hear like a baby crying in the background. And then we find out later that, you know, he forced, essentially forced his girlfriend to get an abortion and then, then didn't show up to the appointment. And then later on, we find out that she decided to keep the baby. And that's his redemption arc is he decides to go and be a father and stay in the area. Um, then there's Nina, who you brought up, Nina Dobrev, plays Marlo. And she's kind of like a combination of uh, Oliver Platt's character, but then also the Kiefer Sutherland character because she's the one who like, did something bad and then tries to atone for it by killing herself at the end to confront the person she wronged. But she also gets uh, Julia Roberts um, little character beat at the end, right? Where she blames herself for something that's not really her fault, or at least the initial. And I want to talk about that when we. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then you had, um, but she Clemens. gets like, I think she gets sort of the big emotional, um, the main emotional beat at the end. Yeah, she does for sure. And then you have Kiersey Clemens, who I thought was the, it was probably my favorite character in the, in the I didn't movie. realize, I knew that she was in the Snyder Cut of Justice League, but I didn't realize that she was also in um, Dope and Neighbors 2, which I really enjoyed. I Both those movies. Never saw Dope, definitely saw Neighbors, uh, but I don't remember that one very much. Like, I don't really dope remember is, it. Yeah, Dope is really good. It's dope. You should watch it. I will. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised when I realized that that's who that was. I didn't, I, for some reason, I didn't realize um, that's who she was when I saw her in Justice League. She looks way different in, in Justice League than she does in this movie. Like, I, mm. I had to look her up. I'm like, oh, it is the same actor. Um, her character is like the super nerdy and submissive, especially to her mother. It's like she's been driven, like, she's been bullied by her mom. And so when she goes under, this is where it's a little weird because she's, her and Marlo go under at the same time and her and Marlo have On negative. Yeah. They go at the same night and her and Marlo both had negative things. Like Marlo saw like a drained pool and she saw the guy that she killed and she saw the words murderer written all over the place. Um, and then Kiersey Clemens as Sophia saw like the lab where she leaked a friend's nudes uh, because it was her, like, she was, like, second best student to this person. So she leaked the valedictorian's nudes. So that way she would tank the rest of the year so she can become valedictorian. But she also has this arc where she has no agency and she's always submissive to her mom. So she, like, her thing is at the end she won't apologizes to the person whose nudes she leaked. And then she also stands up to her mom by having very loud, vigorous sex with Jamie <laughs> while her mom was home. And like, even though the mom's like banging on the door, she just starts getting louder and moaning more and more. And then finally she comes out like, yeah, mom, I totally fucked this guy while you're here and I'm moving out. Yeah, it's weird. Like, that's such a that feels like such a dumb moment. Yeah. And, like, and the stuff with the mom is so um, uh, underdeveloped, uh, even to the point where, like, I'm not clear if her mom. Um, I'm not clear what her, what her mom's job is, if she's a, also a doctor that's pushing her daughter to be same as her or if they're like not well off and she has to live at home No, they like, said that she wasn't well off and she had to like work a ton of overtime and she's put her entire life savings into sending her to med school so hmm. it's supposed to be this mom who 
is living vicariously through her, I guess, is kind of the thing. Like, I wasn't successful, but so then, you're going to be, but... But then she lives on, like, the 50th floor of a skyscraper or something. Well, and that's and the have, thing like, nice that's house. weird is, like, they all... Had, the first movie, too, like, they had giant, giant, beautiful apartments. And same thing in his. Yeah. They all have giant... Where does this movie take apartments. place? I don't know. But they can all afford these amazing places, especially yeah. Marlo's well, character. This one, they at least try to hand wave it away where like Kiersey Clemens character specifically says at one point like you guys are all rich and had your parents pay for this shit like my mom had to work three jobs and put her entire life savings into this so at least they try to hand wave it a little bit with a one line of dialogue sort of Um, and then the last character is Ray played by Diego Luna and he's kind of the Kevin Bacon character and also the Oliver Platt character because he never goes under but he's the better more experienced doctor and he's the one who kind of plays by his own rules but he's also the love interest for marlo and tries to convince her to come clean and the end of the movie yeah. is he he fucked her once and he's like i'm in love with you yeah well he at least like they try to paint that over hand wave that away by saying like she's like what do you even see with me you're always competitive he's like i see your bedside manner kind of thing like you legitimately care about your patients so even though i know you're a competitive doctor and you seem like you're a cold calculative person i know you actually care about the job and you care about the people yeah Except she, her, you know, her story is that she made a mistake with this guy and gave him the wrong um, medicine and ended up killing him, which like, that sucks, but that is a thing that happens. Uh, But then she changed the autopsy report so she wouldn't get into trouble, which, hey, you can't be a doctor anymore. Like, that's disqualifying. Right. The fact that her her, um, punishment was suspension. her boss, like her boss or whatever, her uh, teacher, her professor gives her leniency at the end. was kind of surprising to me. Like, I think that's it. You're right. Like your career should have been over. And then on top of that, we see her do a really bad hit and run in the yeah. middle of the movie. Yeah. Or so, the, towards the end. Yeah. She, I agree. So, she, she literally plows her car into a bunch of people, you know, dining outside. In a store. They probably yeah, all just got the vaccine and she drives into them and then she's like, oh shit, sorry. And like drives away. She makes, she does, that's You're not a bad the only doctor. time she does it too. So she, so the thing that's weird about this movie to give a little bit of sense of tension is this is in like the sub basement level of like this hot, like state of the art hospital. And they explain like, oh yeah, they have the state of the art equipment in the basement because they received some special funding a couple years back just in case there's ever a pandemic or a flood or natural disaster. Um, but they explain, like, even though everything's covered in sheets and everything, that there's a cleaning crew that comes every night at this exact same time. And it's like, I don't th- why would they be sending a cleaning crew every night for a, a ward that's not being used? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So they do that to, you know, have some tension. But in addition to that hit and run, you talked about there's a point where they are putting, when they're putting um, Sophia under, the second person they put under in the same night. The cleaning crew's coming, so Jamie runs and pulls the fire escape, and then they all escape in the car. She plows through, like, the turnstile to get out, and it's just like, dude, you guys could have just gotten to the parking lot and acted calm. Like, you guys are students. There's a library whole, there. Yeah, that that whole uh, car escape. It's not a chase, I guess, but that whole driving sequence, like, didn't make any sense to me. It seemed unnecessarily dramatic. Totally unnecessary. They could have just been walking calmly in the parking lot and been like, yep, we were in the library. Because... Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, Kiersey Clemens' character and Elliot Page are in the library close to midnight. Yeah. So it, it didn't. Yeah, there was no real reason for that. Well, um, as they say in this movie, we're way beyond explanations. So a couple of things that I do want to point out that I, I do like about this, and I think this could have been an interesting place to take this as well. And if they like brought this up earlier in the movie, um, 
they talk about like, dude, we should bottle this because after a certain point, once the four of them had done it, they go to this party and they're all making out and they're tearing down walls at each other's apartments and they're having a good old time. And they're like, we should bottle flatlining and sell it as a club drug. And I actually thought, I'm like, that would have been interesting, them being scientists, that they like found the chemical that's released in the brain that gives them this and they bottle it up and people start all having these like crazy nightmares. Like that could have been an interesting twist. Uh, yeah, I think bo- I think both of these movies kind of blew the motivation for doing this. I think they're all med students, so like, why aren't they talking about how this can get them published? Yeah, well, they kind of do and, in this one, where like you could be the first expert of the afterlife and have a whole TV show about the afterlife, but they never explore it. Like, they never really try to figure out yeah. what was happening. And even more to that point, at the end of the movie, Marlo throws away the laptop that's got the research on it. I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just like tosses it in the river, like the end of the mask. Yeah, and that I was, was my like, note too. And I was like, why are you destroying the research? Like, or destroying the computer? Like, it's not cursed. It's not the ring. You're right. Like, if you don't want people to have it, just delete the data. Yeah. And, like, and also, why can't people know about what happened? That's still very interesting. Well, and, th- and this is the thing where I find it lacking and me wishing it went a little deeper is this one, they really do lean into the horror element. They at one point say, something is after us like whatever's doing this wants us to atone so like what i thought was interesting is like there's a point where um jamie is running away from the woman that he wronged and he's like he lives in like a houseboat or something like that or a little yacht and he like falls into the water and as he's trying to climb back up on the pier the ghost of the woman who's still alive like he even comments like oh i've been haunted by somebody who's still alive she stabs him and like he's pinned to the pier and then she disappears and later on he's all bandaged up and everything. So it's like they clearly get attacked by supernatural entities and they keep saying that whoever is doing this wants us to atone. And we see on video or you hear it, uh, uh, Elliot Page's character, Courtney talking to the ghost of her sister or that entity and pleading with it and then getting shoved. But, but I think she's just talking to a thing that's in her head. Maybe we don't see her. We don't see her get shoved by anything. Yeah, but like the, the camera thing with, goes black. With Jamie, he could not have stabbed himself in that position that he was in. Well, I, I think what it is is that it's maybe just not a very well thought out movie. It, maybe. This one leans into it a little bit more where they explicitly say something is after us. And then you have Courtney comes back at the end of the movie when Nina Dobrev is, you know, trying to atone. And she's like, please forgive me, dead guy that I killed. And then Courtney comes up and is like, shows up with like an angelic light behind her. She's like, you've got to forgive yourself. Oof, yeah. And then she forgives great. herself. So it's like this one really leans into like almost confirms that there is a supernatural element into it, but it never really like commits to it. Like it says there is a supernatural element, but it never really is like, is it death? Is it God? Like, and still it doesn't explain. Neither version explains like, why do they have these consequences that people who legitimately have near, you know, uh, near-death experiences don't like why do they get these negative repercussions and the others don't yeah like plenty of people are brought are uh, resuscitated every year so yeah. like, why why is their experience any different than anybody else's and there are people who have killed try you know attempted suicide who are unsuccessful and who are resuscitated and then they feel remorseful because they had these positive near-life and death experiences so it's like you know, if you want to make the argument, well, it's because they killed themselves versus, you know, having a legitimate near-death experience, that still doesn't mesh with what other stuff has brought up. And both of these movies seem to posit that nobody's asked these questions before. Like, yeah. what happens? 
Because like there are legitimate documentaries. There's one on Netflix about doctors who interview people. Like this is not a field of science that people haven't at least tried to study. But both yeah. of these movies posit that they are the first ones to ever talk about it. Yeah, and again, like I said, it, I think it would be really interesting for them to explore like why they should or should not be publishing this research. Right. Like all these. Seems I think like the natural thing. I liked the second one better. I'm just going to say that now. I thought it was, it updated it in a way that made sense. It changed a few things. It was still faithful to the original. It did its own thing, but I still think it fell short in like asking all these questions and not really taking a stance on anything. I think the second one had a lot more potential. They did a better job setting everything up and I think they uh, did not execute on it. I think the acting is better in the first one though. Yeah. And I, and I, (laughs) And I think the first one um, is creates a better, it does a better job of creating its own like world. I agree. And like I said, it, it feels more like um, more like a fairy tale, more like a gothic fairy tale. It's got more style, like it's its own thing. And this one just felt kind of like stock yeah. to video horror kind of thing. The, the other thing I liked about the first one is like it got like the medical stuff right. Like there's a point where like Julia Roberts, when they're reviving her, the power goes out. We didn't really talk about that. And Kiefer Sutherland wants to inject her with this like drug. And like Kevin Bacon's like, no, you can't do that. It's going to do this, 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 this. Like they really leaned into the medical stuff a little bit more and explain what was going on. This version, they were just kind of like, eh, they're doctors. They know what they're doing. And they just kind of like took care of it. Like there's not as much explanation to the medical side. And like to your point with with uh, Nina Dobrev being a medical student making a mistake, like she would not have gotten in trouble for what she did, other yeah. than the altering of the autopsy. Like if she was truly a medical student or even an intern, every um, every prescription they give is checked by the whether it's the resident or the attending physician. Yeah, and she the only mistake she made was. Like uh, Ray, played by Diego Luna, is like, no, you totally gave the right medication. She goes, no, but I didn't ask if he was on any other medications. If I asked if he was on any other any other medications, I would have found out he was on this, and this would have had an interaction. So it's like it was a very minor mistake. They would have been like, hey, don't do this again. But she would not have gotten in trouble. Like it would have been the yeah. attending. So it's yeah. like it, it, that whole side story. Like it should have been a it should have been a bigger mistake. And she should have done more to cover it. Like it should have been a more of a cover up other than just altering a, a document. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think this movie was, you said you think the acting is better than this movie. I no, think no. Was, I think the acting was better in the first movie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's what, but that's I think what I mean. this was a, I enjoyed I this movie, this movie more. Like, I think this movie has better character setups and has, um, has good actors in it, but I think it was miscast. Like, I think Elliot Page is good. Yeah. Um, but I think killing her off, killing Courtney off in the middle of the movie um, is a bold choice, but it's completely undermined because they miscast uh, Marlo's character. Yeah, I agree. I don't even miscast. They just they cast somebody who I don't think was was good. Um, and then also like Diego Luna did nothing for me as Ray. And I, I like Diego. Luna. I like Diego Luna and everything, but he, they just didn't I, give him much to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a different actor would have been better or not, but um that character didn't do anything for no. me. And Kiersey Clemens is like, it's fine. I don't think that character needs to be the forefront. Um, and same with James Norton. Yeah. So I, I think to summarize it all up, I think both movies had some really interesting premises, had some thought provoking questions, but not one of them. Neither one really took a stance on anything. Like it just, yeah, it just kind of felt empty. Like it, it felt like they, they had this great idea 
And then they're just like, oh, shit. And then they just like, well, one of them almost dies. And then they all come together and save him. That's the end. And they all get their happy ending. But like, I, I don't think it set. I don't think it did what it intended to do. But I thought they were both enjoyable films. They're both fun date movies for teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else, man? Um, she was searching on Google to see if there's an afterlife. She was on uh, Yahoo Answers at one point. Oh, that's right. Kiefer Sutherland. We need to talk about him real quick. So in okay. this version. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Kiefer Sutherland, when this movie was coming out, he did interviews and goes, this is actually a sequel to the original one. And then when they, right before the movie came out, they're like, nope, it's not a sequel. It's a remake, reboot. And when it turns out that his character was supposed to be the same character, but there was a cut scene where like they were visiting him during office hours and it's revealed that he was Nelson from the original movie and he's operating under a different name, but they cut that. So he ended up just being like the teacher for the med school kind of thing. But uh, originally, I guess at some point this was going to be a sequel and then they, they changed it. So yeah, it is what it Um, is. Yeah. Cool. I have some other notes here, but like, I think we covered everything. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, tell our, our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on the Instagrams at Dysalexic, D-Y-S-Alex-I-C. I'm on Twitter at Polishi, P-U-L-I-S-C-I. And you can feel follow along. You can follow along with the movies I'm watching on Letterboxd at Polishi as well. Nice. Uh, and you guys can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at MDXPods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. Uh, if you guys like the show, please help us out and share it. Leave a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Uh, Apple Podcasts is obviously the biggest one out there. If you listen, you can do a review right on your phone. That actually helps us move up in the uh, the algorithms. So uh, help us out. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mdxpods as well. But that's it. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.